Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications for the Metro DC chapter of ATD. Hey everyone, I'm Stephanie Hupka, a chapter past president and a member of the pod squad here at Metro DC ATD. We also have Helena Hodges, our vice president of finance and operations as our producer. For today's episode, we are interviewing Kara North. Welcome Kara. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, before we jump in on uh, learning experience design, can you share a little bit about your background with our listeners? Sure. So I've been in the learning development space pretty much my entire professional career. Like a lot of professionals, I I fell into it. So I got my start working in a call center and got promoted into a training role. And it was very serendipitous. After my first training session, I went home and told my parents, Hey, I really like this. And if I can make this a career, I want to do it. And, you know, they called me, they're like, okay, sure, honey, whatever, but <laughs> I'm still here. So I've, I've really uh, enjoyed kind of, you know, learning more and just watching everything change and expand. So I was really lucky after that first role, I moved over to Amazon and I did some training and then I was an instructional designer there. And I didn't even know what an instructional designer was at the time, but it was, it was a great learning experience. And then I transitioned, spent seven years in higher education. And then I transferred uh, back into corporate in 2020 into learning leadership. And then uh, currently, I am doing my own thing. I am a full-time independent consultant. So I've, um, if I had like, I guess, one of those bingo cards of like all the different industries and things you can do in the space, I think I've had a lot of my squares checked, but <laughs> I, I really like change and really like all the different variety that that this work can can provide you. And, and that's what I think is so attractive about it. So I, I've really enjoyed kind of the whole the whole thing. So awesome. I love it. So bingo. No. <laughs> Do we ever get bingo though? <laughs> I love it. So now just just to get us started. So learning experience design. So what is it and how is it different from instructional design? Because I know that's the, it's a, a, a new term for some of us. Yeah. So I don't know about you all, but you know, when the pandemic was occurring, um, I really got super curious about job descriptions and I decided to actually do some academic research about it. And so I collected a sample of some of my colleagues at Ohio State and we basically coded these job descriptions to the ATD capability model. And what I found fascinating is like when I first started in this industry, you know, a long time ago, an instructional designer really was almost like a very kind of cognitive side of things, right? It focused on like what it is that somebody needs to do. You know, my first instructional design jobs, I would, you know, do a needs assessment and I would storyboard out content. And then when we got an e-learning authoring tool, then I would hand it over to a developer. Now, a lot of the job descriptions lately have really been 
um, you do everything. <laughs> so you, not only are you doing kind of that front end assessment and then taking the content and developing it, but you're also building the product, you're evaluating it, like you kind of own it from start, start to finish. And so um, the term learning experience design, I first heard it back in 2016, when I was still at Ohio State. And it really made sense to me thinking about not just what it is that we're creating, but the entire experience, right? Like, what is it that the person is going through? You know, what is that emotional connection? I think so often that gets left out of the equation because you 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 both know, I'm sure, if, if your mind is not in it to learn, there's nothing you can do, right? I mean, there's so many distractions and things going on. So, so how can we incorporate in these, I will say, uh, sister uh, principles of, you know, user interface, user experience, think about um, the emotional hook. What is so if I were to give you just a quick and dirty, my definition of learning experience design, I would say it's the combination of context and content to enable human performance. That's how I would define it. I love it. I And I totally agree with you. And in fact, I'd love to dig a little bit into something you just shared, because I think what you were talking about with that sort of social, um, social emotional learning component of learning experience design, it is so fundamental and oftentimes is something that either instructional designers can leave out or sometimes they don't prioritize it or worse yet, sometimes our stakeholders don't really encourage that. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about the impact that can be made when that becomes a focus area for somebody who's going into that. Absolutely. So uh, selfishly, this all just kind of, again, I, I'm, I'm very curious and I had the, a good fortune when I was in higher education to also uh, get my master's and complete my doctoral work in the learning development uh, space. And I had an advisor who is actually an expert in uh, learner engagement and student motivation. And so if you were to just Google, you know, learner engagement, you're going to get so many different definitions. And so one thing that uh, he has found in his work, and his name's Dr. Quayche, is about the different constructs of engagement. And so he made these three buckets that completely made sense to me. Behavioral, which I think about like, what is it that somebody's doing? cognitive, how are they being challenged? But Stephanie, the point of emotional, you know, how does it make them feel? Yeah. And I think with everything going on, which, you know, the last couple of years, I think has been a hot mess for a lot of us, right? <laughs> it's, it, it, you know, one thing that I really like about the last couple of years, as far as what I've seen in work is I think we've really challenged this notion, what does it mean to be professional, right? And, you know, if I ask my mom, like, what it means to be professional, she would be like, oh, you need to dress nice and, you know, whatever. But, you know, I think that people are really challenging that notion of professionalism of, you know, being authentic, uh, being able to talk about issues that are important to them. You know, what does the social justice movement mean to me? And how do I fit in this organization? How's this organization support me, not just financially, but emotionally and, you know, other ways. So I think that if we don't in the learning development space own that, who will? Right. And so I think we have a really great opportunity to think about, you know, how can we make this emotional hook, meaning, you know, and again, it's it's simple stuff, right? Whatever the content is that we provide, 
how does that impact that person, right? So we don't need to give them every bullet point from a PowerPoint, but we really need to tell them, okay, how's this content relate to you and what it is that you do at the job? And how's this going to make you either better at your job or help you um, with your upward mobility if you're looking to grow or change your job? Like, So I, I think the emotional piece is something that sadly has just not gotten a lot of attention for, for a long time, but I think more so our stakeholders and, you know, our, our users are, are demanding it because they need to see themselves in the content that we create. And I think so often that's why like compliance training, for example, not to pick on it fails because <laughs> it's, it's so much of just this spray and pray of what mm. you should do and, you know, all this stuff. But then at the end of the day, you know, you're like, well, goodness, I, I would hope that I would never see my colleague be sexually harassed or, oh my goodness, I, I would never click on a suspicious link in an email, right? Um, but if you put your put somebody in it and have some kind of emotional connection, which, you know, you could do that through storytelling or, you know, there's a lot of different ways to kind of to build into that emotional piece. It, it, it's more effective because at the end of the day, they see themselves in it. And I think that is the key to making some of the stuff stick. Yeah. Well, and I love the neuroscience behind it too, because with yeah. emotions, it's more apt uh, to encode, you know, that information in our brain. So we're going to remember it. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And I, I, again, the way if, if we can apply it and we have ways to apply it, I think that that is effective, but then I'll even go a step further. It doesn't just stop with us in learning and development. We have to make those key partnerships with frontline leaders, um, you know, leaders throughout the organization, because we can make the most amazing training session they've ever had. But if there are not ways in order to uh, empower them to apply it, or if they don't have ways in order to do it, um, you know, it really does kind of fall fall flat. And when I was in manufacturing a couple of years ago, you know, I really kind of challenged this construct. We almost, I felt like we were the crusty crab that, you know, we'd have stakeholders <laughs> like order up a training here and the VILT here and this. <laughs> and um, we got this, this really interesting PowerPoint um, over from a stakeholder about uh, the defects on the products that we were manufacturing, not to get too technical, but, you know, uh, very uh, long product to manufacture, a very high dollar product out the door, but there were a lot of different errors that were occurring in the manufacturing process. And so they're like, hey, we, we made this PowerPoint with these pictures and bullet points, just upload it into the learning management system. Oh. And I was like, ah, something doesn't set right. Mm. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> I was like, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it. And so uh, we really pushed back, and not, not in a bad way, but really just coming from a place of curiosity, right? And I think that is one of the best assets that we have in learning and development. Is like we're kind of in this weird situation where we're not in the C-suite, but we're not in the front line. So we can ask what I call those silly questions of, well, why do you do it that way? Yeah. And you know, we can get, we can get away with we that. And I think that's really. Um, you know, one of the things that really makes our perspectives really powerful. And so come to find out there were a lot of issues with with this particular product, one being that part of our manufacturing facility, the lighting was pretty poor. And so, you know, 
bringing that up to the attention of, you know, hey, you know, the lighting is poor, maybe they're giving it their best effort, but they can't see those really small defects. But then when it's in the quality assurance process, their lights, I mean, you could land a plane with them, <laughs> they're like super bright, right? Um, so it's like, yeah, there might be a little discrepancy there. Um, so there were some things that we could we, we could do with the training. But then, you know, my favorite part of it was, you know, when that manufacturing facility, we had uh, stand up meetings, over over shift changes. And so we talked to leadership and said, hey, here's some talking points to continue the conversation with people. And as silly as that sounds, that was so great for us in that because people felt like we it wasn't just this pointless thing like they went to training because I think so so many times there's this like punitive side of it like oh you're you're bad oh, yeah. you're going to training <laughs> but it's really kind of this continuous conversation about it and even through those like talking points we gave leaders I mean they came back with us and said hey you know this really hit the mark and maybe we might need to think about adding in some more content about this and so it really became a true partnership and I I feel like that was like one of like the projects that really turned the tide on how we did learning development at that organization. So I was like, I'm glad, glad it worked out. But um, then I left. So <laughs> sometimes that's the best way to go, right? I mean, yeah, there you, you go. have a success yes. and it's like, we'll see you later. And it's, it's right. fascinating to hear you talk about that, too, because what you're really describing is that real human-centered component to training. And it's sometimes it's even beyond the human-centered component to remembering your learner is at the center of everything. It's also sometimes about bringing everybody else into that process. It's not just about what they know. It's also about who they are and what it means to them and bringing some of that passion and emotion even into the training itself. And it got me thinking that it, you were talking a little bit about, for example, uh, back at the beginning of the pandemic, and this is something I definitely experienced. There were a lot of times where you'd start conversations with people and you'd ask the question, how are you? And instead of getting that performative, oh, I'm great. How are you? Oh, doing great. Let's get down to business. People were honest. People were talking about the bad days and they were talking about the fear. And there were a lot of real human connections that were made. And I found that some of the best training work ended up coming from that. The training that I was working oh, on, at that. least, became more reflective of some of that. You'd mentioned storytelling as being a great technique or a great strategy to incorporate. When thinking about learner experience design, I would love to hear some of the strategies that you use or some of the, the things that you've seen that have worked really well when bringing some of that to the forefront. Sure. So one of the things in, in that, again, I'll go back to that role. Um, half of my team, it was their very first learning development mm -hmm. role. So they were from within the company, they had been promoted from within. And, you know, I really got to kind of mold them. And it was really fun to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm doing like a little evil laugh over here, right? <laughs> but you know, one of the one of the first things I told them that really kind of blew their mind, I said, you're not the user. Mm -hmm. I said, we really need to get to what it is that they're, they're doing. So it's a little old fashioned, but you know, if it, if it works, it works. But one of the things that I really push for that I think helps with the storytelling is what's called a task analysis. So whatever it is that we're trying to train on, whether it is, you know, how to make a widget or, you know, how to improve cells or whatever, really what I love doing with that is really deconstructing what does success look like in doing these tasks. And it's just by a series of asking questions of, you know, what are the steps that you're doing? 
Uh, how do you know that you're doing them right? So what's your performance criteria? What additional uh, aids do you need, whether that's kind of tools, equipment, et cetera? And then, you know, what's your internal dialogue? I love asking that question too. Like, what are those questions that you're asking um, when you're going kind of throughout the task? But then the all-time favorite that really helps with storytelling is I asked them, I said, if I was the nationwide mayhem man, how am I going to mess it up? <laughs> and they love it. And I mean, they tell everything, right? Yeah. Well, I, you know, one time I saw this guy do this. And, you know, one time I saw this. But what is so great about that is immediately as we're going through that and we we bring that in a training session, a couple things. One, uh, it really hooks them in because they're like, oh, yeah, I remember when I saw that person do that, <laughs> you know, whatever. Two, it's a hotbed for an assessment. It's a hotbed for the basis of your work-based scenarios, right? So um, it's as realistic as it comes. And it also kind of tells those kind of, I'll say, hard lessons that people get on the job. And if, you know, it saves one person from making a major goof or it saves the company money or, you know, whatever, then it was completely worth it. So that is really my secret sauce is really going in, uh, empathizing with that, that person and, and really just getting an appreciation for what they do. And even people that were internal to the company that came from different sectors, you know, when they were doing that with our, our machinist population specifically, they were like, I don't know. They, they really appreciated the work that they did. They're like, this is fascinating. Like I had no idea it was so complex. You manufacturing a widget here for our company. Like this is absolutely fascinating. But then it also highlights other things that sadly training can't fix. And so then you can go back to different partners throughout the business saying, Hey, you know, we did this task analysis. And we noticed that, you know, there wasn't enough gloves in that area. And, and people said they'd have to wait for, you know, different things for coming. Is, is that something that we could do? And, you know, we had a really good partnership with our, our lean uh, quality assurance team. And, you know, that really also helped too, because when people saw action on the things that they were talking to us about, they really started to open up more. I love the creativity. And I, I also hear a little bit of the human performance improvement in there as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think it's sadly, I think when we transitioned from instructor led to e-learning, I think a lot of that was lost yeah. in translation. And that's another reason why I want to kind of embed it into this learning experience design approach was ultimately at the end of the day, we want to help people do better. And, you know, this may be a little bit crude, but I like to say I'm not in the underwear business. You know, I, I don't make things just to cover the bums of the organization, but I really care. I'm in the people business yeah. and I want to empower people to do the best they can um, on any given day. I love oh. the analogy and it makes me want to ask another question, not to be the naysayer <laughs> in a way, but for those of us who work with stakeholders who are in the underwear business, and they do <laughs> just want to develop training that checks the box and gets it done and may not be bought into the idea of the extra time and effort, as valuable as we may see it is, to develop these kinds of experiences for learners, what say you? How do you bring them over and help them to understand the real impact and value that this kind of a design process can bring to them? Sure. I, I'm going to be extremely realistic. Please do. You won't 
you won't win this on every every fight, yeah, right? So yeah. you, you have to pick which mountain you're willing to die on. You have to be strategic in the way that you deal with stakeholders. You know, s- some stakeholders have more political power than others. And so uh, choosing it wisely, I will tell you in the manufacturing setting, when I said, you know, we're going all in on this, one of my favorite books that really helped inform my practice is Kathy Moore's uh, Map It. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, bought that book for the entire team. We read it as a team. We deconstructed it. And I said, you know, if we're going to take this approach, I said, I got to get ultimate bite. So I went to the general manager of the company and put some time on his calendar. I said, hey, this is what I think we should be doing. Here's why I think we should be doing it. Here's the impact. And he even bought the book. (laughs) And so with that, it ended up working because I got the buy-in kind of from all the way up. But full transparency, I was also the leader of the L&D department. And, you know, if you're an individual contributor or maybe a senior ID, maybe you don't have that political muscle and power, you know, you you have to kind of pick your battles and figure out, you know, what's the best, best approach. So if it truly is a compliance course, it's checking some kind of box and it, you're really looking from like a legal defensibility lens, which I think so often the uh, people in the underwear business look at, right? Um, <laughs> I, I think really the best use of this to get momentum is something I'm going to say in the operations space, mm-hmm. right? So something that directly impacts the bottom line when it comes to whatever product or whatever it is that the the company is selling. If you're able to adopt this kind of approach there, then I think it will transfer over into, into the compliance stuff. Right. But, um, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's definitely a, a battle. Um, but you know, with that, you know, you, you can't give up, you got to stay the course and, and really fight for, fight for the people. Cause again, the end of the day, I believe a lot of these questions and concerns that are brought up in just even the process, if we don't say it, no one else will. So, uh, with that, I think is a big responsibility. Yeah, I completely agree. And I I absolutely think that sometimes it is sort of a pick your battles and it may be you pick a battle one time and it works out and you pause on the next one. It is a little bit about figuring out where those battles can be won. So I'm I am thrilled that you shared so much great information with us. I'm a little sad that we have to move into rapid fire, but I'm also really excited that we get to move into rapid fire because that means we still have three more opportunities to pick your brain and get some of your best thinking. So we end every episode with a little segment we like to call rapid fire. We ask you three rapid fire style questions. No question should take more than about 60 seconds or so to respond. So what do you think? Are you ready for rapid fire? Uh, sure. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) I know there's like the big lead up. It's actually not that scary. So the first question we have for you is give us one book that everyone must read and why. Uh, performance focused learner surveys by Will Thalheimer. Mm. Uh, the reason you should read that is it will completely change your mind on how you evaluate your learning programs. It's a book that truly changed my learning development life. And I tell people they, they need to read it so much. And really the, I think that the thing that really demystified for me is, you know, get over the vanity metrics of, did they like me? Did they like the food? Did they think the (laughs) colors in my e-learning were pretty? Did they like the Disney instrumental music and focus on 
are people set up for success in the content and being able to follow up with them, give them additional guidance if they did, if they need it. And um, again, going back to that manufacturing job I was speaking of, we implemented a lot of Dr. Thalheimer's work there in our evaluation, and it really helped build the department's relational equity, not only with leaders, but also uh, individual users in the company. Oh, I I second everything you just said. That's a favorite of mine, too. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that one. All right. Next question. What is one tool that you can't live without? Oh, goodness. There's so many tools. (laughs) I I would say probably the one that I use on a daily basis is TechSmith Snagit. Just because I find myself snipping my screen a lot or I want to take a quick little uh, video of what I'm doing on screen and it makes it so easy to edit. But then also super selfishly, it's the easiest tool to make gifts in. So sometimes (laughs) I just need to make a silly gift to get through the day, but I definitely use Snagit on a daily basis. A really good choice as well. All right. Last question for you. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, gosh. Change your mindset to being self-employed. And I got that from a mentor of mine when I was in a really rough workspace. And I really was even doubting if I belonged in learning and development. Like It was that bad. And she said, think of your company as a client that you can fire at any time because you can always uh, to part to borrow from LeBron James, take your talent somewhere else. Mm. And so when I thought of it that way, when I truly embraced it, it took the power away from my employer and, and empowered me to make the best decision for me in my career and not worrying about what other people think or um, you know, that kind of stuff. And it, it really helps me. And so that that is by far the best piece of advice that I've ever, ever gotten. So always thinking about how you can build your brand, um, how you can, you know, side hustle on the side or even, you know, consult on the side. So if you do need to leave a situation that's not right for you, you have the resources to do so. I love that. And I totally agree with you. I mean, it's amazing what you can do when you're really aiming to make yourself proud as opposed to looking for that validation elsewhere. So that is wonderful advice. Yes. A a quick change in perspective can change your entire life. Yes. (laughs) Which is awesome. Oh, thank you, Kara, for joining us today and sharing your wisdom with our listeners. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad to be here. And thank you all for the invite. Oh, and of course, thank you to our listeners and our community. Uh, But before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Are you interested in learning more about the Metro DC chapter of ATD or following us on social media? Go to dcatd.org and click on About. Check out dcatd.org for upcoming chapter events, learning programs, member benefits, and so much more. Music